Hey there, future friends! This week we try and make a wallflower bloom, we gaze at the stars, and we say our final goodbye to our favorite princess. This is the week of June 23rd, 2023, and you are listening to episode 292 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show, everyone. Yes, I am here again. I have done it. I I am back. I think it's safe to say that Future Flicks with Billiam is back. I mean, I say that, but I've probably cursed it now. So how about I just shut up about that and tell you that, hey, we actually have some good looking movies this week. You know, for the past couple weeks, we've had short weeks, interesting movies, but short weeks. This week is uh, a lot longer. I don't know why some of these movies didn't spread out a bit more, but alas, we have a big week this week, so let's jump into the show and start, as always, with an explanation of what it is I do here. Hello, friends. If you are new to Future Flicks with Billiam, and on this show, I talk about all of the movies coming out during the week. I break them up into two categories, which is the limited releases. That's any movie that's not getting a nationwide release or a big streaming release. And in that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe I'll give a thought or two, but usually that's it. And then in the wide releases and interesting indies, I tell you the same stuff, but then I definitely give you my thoughts. And I give it a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, that can go anywhere from a 0 to an 11. What's special about the wide releases section is that not only is it the wide releases, not only is it all of the streaming service releases, but... It's those indie movies or those limited releases that did make me go, hey, that could be good. At the end of the section, I give you a pick of the week, which I say, hello, friends. If you see one movie in the theater this week, this has the best chance of being worth your time. Of course, all this is just my opinion. You may not agree with my score or with my pick of the week, but I at least hope you find a new movie that you could be interested in. Because my opinions aside, I do tell you about these films. Anyway, my future friends, let's jump right into it with the limited release section in the first movie, which is a video-on-demand-only release called The Country Club. A farcical coming-of-age comedy about teen golfers competing in a country club's junior tournament. This stars Elaine Hendricks from Dynasty, James Urbanik, who's the voice of Dr. Venture from Venture Brothers, Alexis G. Zoll from Ouija Origin of Evil, and Steve Higgins from Saturday Night Live. Like, Steve Higgins isn't a regular cast member, but if you see him, you'll recognize him because he is on the show quite a bit, but just not announced in the beginning. Anyway, this just looks really dumb. Next up is a movie we talked about before, and it was actually in the wide releases, but now it's getting a VOD and limited theatrical release, or a wider limited theatrical release, and that's The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, so I'm not going to talk more about it again. I did talk about it two weeks ago. A young woman's brother gets gunned down and she desperately attempts to cure death. This stars Laya Delon Hayes from The Equalizer TV Show, Denzel Whitaker from The Great Debaters, and Chad L. Coleman from The Expanse. 
you know, just really quick, I do think this movie looks really cool. Uh, I do really want to see it. It should be coming to Shudder eventually, but I don't think it's going to be available on Shudder for a while now, so I'm just going to keep my eye open for that. Next up, we have a movie called Heightened. Following a mental breakdown, a young woman must return home to Maine for treatment. After she is unwillingly thrust into nature, she finds unexpected solace in the company of a neurotic park ranger who is dealing with issues of his own. This stars Sarah Clark from 24. This did have promise. It did kind of look like a quirky romantic comedy, kind of. But I, I just kept thinking during the trailer that I couldn't wait for it to be over. Even though certain parts did make me go, oh, that does look interesting. But for the most part, I was thrilled when the trailer was over, and that's not a good sign. Next up is a movie called Clean. A fly-on-the-wall insight into the world of trauma cleaning through the journey of larger-than-life business owner Sandra Pankhurst and the workers at Melbourne's specialized trauma cleaning service. So this does sound interesting. It's a documentary about trauma cleaning, which is the people who clean up after murders, uh, suicides, anything really messy, hoarders. But then this is a documentary, and um, I'm not really sure I do want to watch a documentary on this, no matter how interesting it sounds. Next up is a movie called King of L.A., not to be confused with King of New York from Newsies. Look at me, I'm the King of New York. A young man at a critical point in his life struggles to navigate through the socioeconomic ills and temptations of his community as the demographics and culture shift around him. South Central L.A. is now a divided city that everyone wants a piece of. This stars Paula Jai Parker from Friday, and Darius Love from The Secret World of Alex Mack. After that is a movie called She Rose. When four thick-as-thieves friends arrive in Thailand, they quickly find themselves in over their heads. Fighting to stay alive, they employ their unique set of skills and unleash their fierce loyalty in a heart-pumping battle for survival. This stars Isabel Furman from Orphan, Wallace Day from Krypton, and Sky Jackson from Bunked. And I always forget that the girl or woman from Orphan is an adult because she looked like a straight up child in that film. So when I saw she was in it, I'm like, I don't remember seeing her. And then, oh yeah, that's right. Next up is a movie called I'll Show You Mine. An author who made a career by examining her own traumas sits down to interview her nephew for a new book about his history as a model. Each of them reveal much more than expected and confront some of their deeply hidden secrets. This stars Porna Jagnanathan from Never Have I Ever. And this one seems creepy. I think it's French. Uh, at this point, I just don't want to go back and even look at the poster. So this woman invited, invites her nephew over. And we can guess that they're not biological, nephew and aunt. But as they get talking about his life and her life, it seems like they're starting to get a little more intimate and there's this weird scene in the trailer where he's massaging her foot and they give each other f me eyes. It just creeped me out a lot like one of the wide releases this week. But let's uh, not get into that quite yet. We have three movies left in the limited section and I, I just want to tell you that each of these had the possibility of being in the next section, but they just fell a little short because they're all three documentaries all three do look very interesting, but there, there was just something that held me back about each and every one, even though one of them is about a very important topic, 
One of them is about a very interesting movie, and one of them is about a very important piece of sports history. So let us start with one called Here Is Better. Here Is Better tells the inspiring stories of four men and women, military veterans, overcoming PTSD with breakthrough new treatments. Once again, a very, very important topic. The treatment of our soldiers after they return home is so important, especially because so many need help and help they don't get. So part of me really likes movies like this because it does draw attention to the importance of our veterans getting the help they need. And stories like this are uplifting. But at the same time, I'm torn because we need to focus on the fact that so many benefits get cut all the time by our government, that our government really wants to send people out to war, send people out to fight. But when they come back, they're like, okay, bye, Felicia. So yes, a very important topic, and it brings light to something we need to talk about more. But again, I do have to look at this as a movie, and it just fell a little short. But but if you get triggered by things like that, or by death or grief, uh, don't even watch the trailer, because there were a couple lines in the trailer that were just f***ing brutal. Like, I don't even want to repeat it here, brutal. Next up is a documentary called Desperate Souls, Dark City, and the Legend of Midnight Cowboy. This follows the behind-the-scenes odyssey to get Midnight Cowboy produced, as well as the tumultuous era in which the movie was released and embraced. So yes, the movie Midnight Cowboy, which was way ahead of its time, starring John Voight. And this is about the making of it and how they did it. And it just looks super interesting, but you do have to be a big fan, or at least interested in Midnight Cowboy. And the final movie, my friends, in the limited section is one called The Last Rider. The incredible story of the greatest cycling race in history, the 1989 Tour de France, and how American Greg LeMond faced down betrayal, childhood trauma, and death, completing one of the most inspiring comebacks in history. So this is a documentary about this guy who was in the Tour de France, and he was really good. And I think he won once, and then later, before the next Tour de France, he gets shot. Not like in a robbery or something. He was off hunting with his friends, so a Dick Cheney basically happened to him. Not to take away from his injury, but it, it is important to the story, right? So he gets shot, almost dies, and then he has a hell of a recovery, and he's like, I do want to do the Tour de France again. So it's about him and his road to recovery, and him eventually competing in the Tour de France. All right, my future friends. That is it for the first half of the show. Let us take our first and only break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and... We're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. 
popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. Hello! And happy birthday, Bill, from He's Robbie. And she's Lisa. And we're from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And we just want you to say happy birthday. Eight years. Oh my gosh. I know. Cannot believe it. Future Flicks is incredible. So thank you for telling us all about the movies. We could listen to Bill's voice forever. And we've had eight years. And, and we have. And beyond it. We can't wait to collab with you at some point. That'll be so much fun. Yes. So cheers to you. Slanja. And thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. A pleasure as always. All right, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let's start with one called Revoir Paris. It's a limited release. Three months after surviving a terrorist attack in a bistro, Mia is still traumatized and unable to recall the events of that night. In an effort to move forward, she investigates her memories and retraces her steps. This stars Virginie Efira from Elle and Benoit Magimel from The Piano Teacher. So if I've never told this story to you before, my friends, allow me to tell you, when I was like just out of high school, I saw one of my first French movies, and it was Amélie. For a lot of people, that was your first French movie, too. Fantastic movie, of course. And then my friends and I were like, why don't we watch more foreign movies? They must all be this great. So then a couple weeks later, um, I think it was a couple weeks. Don't Please don't quote me on that. But a movie called The Piano Teacher with Isabel Huppert came out. I, I heard good things about her. I went to see it. And damn, was it hot garbage. Like It was well acted. Don't get me wrong. The acting was fine. It was just a terrible movie. And ever since then, that's when I started to notice what I say on the show a lot, is that when foreign movies make it to our shores, it's usually one of the two. It's usually noticeably good or it's hot garbage. This one looks really good. We have this woman who survives a damn terrorist attack and she can't remember a thing. And so it's about her not just retracing her steps at night, by, but talking to the other survivors, the other survivors who remember things and she's trying to piece it all together. And this looks really well done. It looks like a beautiful film. It looks really well acted. And it ticks just all of those boxes that make me want to watch it. The issue, of course, limited release. Like the theater around me that would play independent films or foreign films or anything that doesn't get a wide release isn't always up on all the latest films. Sometimes they are, depending on what it is. But if your local theater that plays these kind of films are anything like mine, it's not really reliable. Sometimes they get it right away, like the week it comes out. But sometimes it's just hard to find. Do I want to see this film? Yes, I do. I do think it's going to be a good quality film. It's going to be something that you could be a pretentious douche about and watch and go, oh, yes, I watched that French movie. It was quite good. Tut tut. What what? And all that stuff. I, I don't know what those people say. Those people, like I'm not one of them, but whatever. Revoir Paris looks good. An interesting idea. Movies have been done like it before, but nothing quite like this. And if there has, it's not done enough to just be a big red flag. Revoir Paris gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called King of Clones. This is a Netflix original. 
From human cloning research to a scandalous downfall, follow the life of Korea's most notorious scientist, Wang Woo-suk. So this is a documentary, and I could not find a damn trailer for it. I even went to Netflix, looked up this movie, saw it's already there, and watched the little preview of it. You know, usually it shows a trailer or something or a scene from it. It doesn't tell me a damn thing just about the fact that this guy who worked on cloning somehow went too far and now he's basically a pariah or you know he's he's persona non grata in the science community i want to know more about this and i can't give a score because i don't know anything about it so king of clones gets a two out of 11 but i'll tell you what if korean cloning scientist scandals are your thing watch this movie after that, we have a movie from South Africa called I Number Number, Jazzy Gold. Yes, this is a Netflix movie, sequel to I Number Number, if you, if you didn't catch that. When an undercover cop is tasked with investigating a historic gold heist in Johannesburg, he is forced between his conscience and the law, or forced to choose between his conscience and the law. I'll be honest, part of this trailer looked pretty good. But it also looked like two movies were spliced together. And I there, there are parts of the trailer that I was like, yeah, I can get behind this. And other parts where I'm like, is this a comedy? I don't really know where this is going. Some of it looks like heist. Some of it looks like a police procedural. Some of it looks like a comedy. I don't know where it's coming from. It looks messy. While I would be very interested in watching a movie from South Africa, I do have to say this, unfortunately, gets a 4 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a movie called Through My Window Across the Sea, another Netflix movie, quite a few Netflix movies this week, follows Raquel and Aries as they face challenges in the next chapter of their relationship and their individual lives. This is a movie from Spain and a sequel to the movie Through My Window, which looks like just another kind of teen romance, they're, they're, though they're not teens in this. It gives me the vibe of a slightly more serious to all the boys I loved before, or, you know, all those Netflix teen uh, ro romantic comedies. But frankly, when I heard the name Ares, I thought about the God of War, and I was like, that would be a much more interesting movie. You know, this, this girl straight out of high school dating the God of War and the challenges they face. I would watch that shit. You know, maybe I should write it. I don't know. Uh, but the trailer did little to save this. This gets a 5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Sen Inandir, also known as Make Me Believe, another Netflix original. Two meddling grannies trick their adult grandkids into a meet-cute that reignites a childhood crush and old grudges. This is a movie from Turkey. I may actually watch this. It kind of looks cute. So, Through My Window Across the Sea did kind of look cute, but it's also the sequel to a movie, and the trailer just, just fell a little flat. This one looks... It looks enjoyable, fully, fully predictable, but enjoyable, but predictable in the way that those Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies are, where you know what to expect going into it, and that's part of the charm. You know what you're going to get. You know the prince and the baker are going to fall in love. I am a princess switch, ride or die, that's right. Or the journalist and the prince, yes, Christmas prince too, love it. This movie gives me those kind of vibes where it's fully predictable. Like we, I could sit y'all down. We could all go to a theater and watch this movie, even though it's a Netflix original. Stay with me. 
We can all go to a theater and watch this movie. And as soon as we see where the movie's, movie's going, we can all write it down. I bet you most of us will get it. And with movies like this, that's okay. Because movies like this are comforting. They're supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be watching something that is entertaining, but not challenging. Entertaining, but also relaxing. And that's what I like about films like this. Uh, the actors have good chemistry. And plus, I've never seen a movie from Turkey, so why not start here? Make Me Believe gets a 6 out of 11. All right, my friends, quite a few movies left. So let's just move on with Unwelcome. We've talked about this movie before. And here's what makes me think that the Frankenstein movie uh, we talked about earlier, the angry black girl and her monster, will come to Shudder eventually. But it's, it's what makes me think Shudder originals don't come to the service right away. Because this week, Unwelcome is coming to Shudder. Married couple Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. This stars Hannah John Kamen from Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, Douglas Booth from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Colum Meany from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Christine Nairn from Game of Thrones. So yes! Uh, we have a, a Shudder original finally coming to Shudder, and it's about red hats, I believe. Red caps, not red hats. So they're fairy creatures, and they can get f***ing menacing. So this movie about, is about this couple who moves into this house. It's a family house. And this woman who lives in the area, she says, hey, um, just so you know, every night you have to leave an offering of something bloody, usually meat, in front of this little door out in the woods. Uh, don't ask me why, just do it, okay? It's better for everyone that you do it. And so she starts to do it, and eventually they start to f*** up. But also, since they're out there, people are looking at them kind of weird, because she's black, and they don't get a lot of people of color out there. And also, she's this young, preg beautiful, pregnant woman, and people start to look at her kind of either menacingly, or like they kind of want to hurt her, or take advantage of her. So on top of that, when they forget to leave the meat... These little f***ing creatures come after them. And like I say about so many movies like this, if you want to watch a new movie this year for Halloween, get Shudder, okay? Get Shudder. Tons of interesting original movies out there. Get it just for a month and then cancel. Whatever, okay? No one cares. But do you see this in theaters? Well, it's no longer in theaters. But do you see it in theaters? No. Unwelcome gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Love Gets a Room. This is the second to last limited movie of the week. A group of actors perform in the heart of the Warsaw Ghetto in a life or death context on a rundown stage. This stars Clara Rugard from I Am Mother, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo from Sing Street, Mark Ryder from Borgia, and Jack Roth from Bohemian Rhapsody. So a movie based on a true story during World War II where we have these actors who are in the Warsaw Ghetto, and basically they have to perform. They have to keep performing, otherwise they're going to die. And there's also a good chance that they will just die anyway, because it's the f***ing Nazis. And it's about these two actors in the troupe that are starting to fall for each other, they want to escape together, and they're worried, can we escape? What will happen to everyone else? Can we keep worrying about anyone else, or everyone else, when our lives are on the line too? Will they just kill us one day? And it looks, it just looks really well done. It looks well acted. It looks like an interesting story. 
an interesting story. I'm not meaning to judge history. I'm just saying more like, I don't think we've seen this one told before, which is always good to see. Not that stories from World War II don't bear repeating, but just that's why I always say World War II is going to always release movies because there's always going to be some new story. And then once we do run out of stories, there's going to be remakes. So World War II will just keep giving us movies. Love Gets a Room looks good. It also looks really f***ing sad, but it looks like it could be worth your time if you're looking for a good period drama. Love Gets a Room gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a movie called World's Best. This is a Disney Plus original. This follows Raj Patel, a young boy who is an expert at math, but is also secretly obsessed with his late father's dream of becoming a rap musician. And he almost loses everything in his attempt to achieve his multiple life goals. This stars Utkarsh Ambukdar from Britney Runs a Marathon, Poonam Patel from Special, which is, I guess, is a TV show. And I can't find, at least when I wrote the notes two days ago on the 18th, I can't find who plays Raj. I think I found his name somewhere. It doesn't have an IMDb, but so none of the websites I used could tell me who played Raj. So I'm assuming it's someone who's never acted before because even some of the super, super side characters got an IMDb credit. But this does look cute. This is exactly what we expect from Disney+, Plus, and I'm assuming movies like this are the new standard for straight-to-Disney+, Plus non-MCU movies. Where it doesn't look bad at all, it looks, it looks fine, but it also does kind of look missable. But the good news is it looks great for families, because we have this kid named Raj, who's a nerd, he's really into math, he dreams about math tournaments, he's such a dork, but his deceased father was a uh, was a rapper or dreamed of being a rapper and isn't the premise worded just a bit awkward i know rappers are musicians but calling them a rap musician kind of sounds like your dad's trying to talk about it and i know i'm old enough to be a dad but i mean my dad like that old anyway it does look cute um because as the movie goes on raj sees his dad and kind of has his dead father as his imaginary friend of sorts and we have seen movies like this before but it doesn't mean it's still not sweet especially because this is something good to watch with your family this week heck i might even watch it and it's not really geared towards me it just looks like a fun film it looks sweet it looks like a story we're familiar with where a kid wants to pursue a non-standard dream and his uh, parents or in this case parent kind of fights against it I bet you one or two teachers will talk talk about him wasting his potential. You know, we've seen these movies before, but again, there's nothing wrong with that. World's Best on Disney Plus gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a movie called The Perfect Find. This is a Netflix original and the last one of the week, the last uh, Netflix movie of the week. It's called The Perfect Find after a high-profile firing Jenna's fashion career comeback hits a snag when she falls for a charming, much younger co-worker who happens to be her boss's son. As sparks fly, Jenna must decide if she'll risk it all on a secret romance. This stars Gabrielle Union from Bring It On, Gina Torres from Firefly, Keith Powers from The Tomorrow War, and D.B. Woodside from Lucifer. 
So again, we have a very familiar story. It, it may not be something that's made all the time, but we have seen movies where where a woman has to choose between love and a career because f having both of them, right? You can't do that. You have to choose. And especially between a woman and a younger man. And we've seen it before where the younger man has been related to someone she knows. Maybe we haven't seen this movie done exactly this way with all of these things combined, but they all are from familiar tropes. But again, there's nothing wrong with that. This isn't the type of movie you watch when you want to see something unique. This isn't the type of movie you watch when you want to be challenged. This is a comfort movie. World's Best is a comfort movie for the whole family. The Perfect Fine is a comfort movie for, you know, I'd say a teenager. Maybe they may, may not want to watch it, but I would feel perfectly fine showing my teenager this. But yes, we have this movie about this woman who needs to find her wind in her second career. She has to decide, can she risk this career? Or does she go for love? This is the type of movie that you just sit down with popcorn, maybe a snack and a drink, a box of tissues, you know, for crying, not for the other reason. <laughs> but this is a kind of movie that is just going to be something fun to watch if you like these kind of films. It has a good cast. Gabrielle Union, Gina Torres, that's all I need. I don't need Keith Powers and D.B. Woodside, even though I like them. They're good. Nothing against them. But Gabrielle Union... Gina Torres sold this movie for me. The Perfect Find looks predictable. It looks like something we've watched before, but like I said, it looks entertaining. Just watch a trailer, and you could tell just from that if this is something you want to watch. Because it is one of those type of movies, I will watch this one day, but probably not this week. The Perfect Find gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is the first maybe nationwide release, and it's called God is a Bullet. When vice detective Bob Hightower finds his ex-wife murdered and his daughter kidnapped by a satanic cult, Bob is frustrated by bumbling botched official investigations. Bob quits the police force, gets tattoos, and infiltrates the cult to hunt down the charismatic cult leader, Cyrus, with the help of the cult's only female victim escapee the brilliantly damaged Casey Harden. Bob is led down the rabbit hole to save his daughter, and Casey seizes the opportunity to claim back her power from the cult that took so much away from her. This stars Jamie Foxx from Ray, Micah Monroe from It Follows, Nicolaj Costner-Waldo from Game of Thrones, Ethan Supley from My Name is Earl, Paul Johansson from One Tree Hill, and January Jones from Mad Men. So my friends, if you didn't listen to the show during the time of my life when my wife was introducing me to One Tree Hill, you wouldn't know that I absolutely love the show, probably one of my top three favorite shows of all time, and Paul Johansson plays one of my favorite characters, the villainous Dan Scott. So even though I'm not interested in this movie very much, the trailer was kind of boring and like we've seen it a million times before. I kind of have to see this now because Dan Scott is in it. Which brings up something. If anyone knows how to watch the show, everyone is doing great with James Lafferty, also from One Tree Hill. If you know how to watch it, let me know. Supposedly it's on Hulu. I searched on Hulu. I can't find it. I can't find it anywhere else. Supposedly it's been renewed for a second season. I really want to see this. Help your friendly neighborhood podcast host watch his favorite One Tree Hill actor in a new show. Well, 
about this movie, um, God, if it wasn't, honestly, if it wasn't for Paul Johansson, I would have skipped over this. I like Jamie Foxx. I like Micah Monroe. I like everyone else. I mean, Ethan Suppley from My Name is Earl. Come on, that guy's great. And even though I wasn't a fan of Game of Thrones, I can understand that the guy who played Jamie Lannister is a talented actor. But despite that, I don't really care about this film. I'm more excited for the final two films I'm, I'm going to be talking about this week. So God is a Bullet, if you want to watch a dark movie about this ex-cop trying to get into a cult to take them down and save his daughter, yeah, sure, check it out. I bet you this movie's going to be, be fine. I bet you that I one day will watch it and I'll go, huh, all right, that was okay. But I really doubt, my friends, if you and I wait to see this, it will really matter. God is a Bullet would have gotten a 6 out of 11, but thank you to Dan Scott, a.k.a. Paul Johansson, it gets a 7.5 out of 11. I, I don't think you understand how excited I am to support things that One Tree Hill people are in. Like, the only one I haven't watched is Sophia Bush's new show. It's, it's just because I don't want to support new police procedurals or medical dramas, because there's too damn many of them. But other than that, I will support anything that has a One Tree Hill person in it. My friends, we have the next nationwide release. Oh, about God is a Bullet. I said maybe nationwide release because, as you know, I use different websites to find out what movies are coming out. One website says this is a nationwide release. Another says, well, another doesn't say anything because it doesn't even mention this film. So I thought maybe they got that one website got the date wrong. I looked up when I looked up the trailer, it did indeed say this week. So I don't know what's going on. I put it in this section anyway, because even if it wasn't a nationwide release, it still has a good cast. And of course, Paul Johansson. Anyway, the next movie is the second nationwide release of the week, and it's called No Hard Feelings. On the brink of losing her home, Maddie finds an intriguing job listing. Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. This stars Jennifer Lawrence from Winter's Bone, Natalie Morales from Dead to Me, and Matthew Broderick from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And this is f***ing disgusting. And this isn't just the prude in me talking, because if you've been around the block with me for a while, you know that a lot of times I find sex and nudity in movies unnecessary. And I know young me would punch older me for saying that. But if you look at it, how many times in a movie that had nudity in it, was it actually necessary? So I don't know if this movie has any nudity in it. I know it's all about these parents hiring Jennifer Lawrence to their 19-year-old son, who's a kind of a shut-in, he's a nerd, he would rather stay in and play video games, you know, like so many of us were. Actually, I did hang out a lot, that's a lie. But still, there's so much wrong with this movie that just sounds so disgusting. So first of all, parents hiring a woman to their kid. Disgusting. And if this was a true story, it doesn't make Jennifer Lawrence's character you know, strong or owning her femininity or her sexuality, it makes her shitty as well. But then also we have these parents who see that their kid doesn't really have a lot of friends, doesn't really get along with people, doesn't do a, a whole lot. Aren't we past this now? Aren't we under the understanding that unless there's like big warning signs that your kid's a psychopath, that it's fine. How many of you were really late bloomers? 
There's nothing wrong with that, but we're still basing movies on this premise that some kid should want to bone down by the time he's 19. And it's not entirely uncommon these days to find someone who doesn't want to. And not necessarily because they're trying to save themselves from marriage or something archaic like that, but just they, they just don't want to, or they, they want to wait until they find the right person. Or maybe they're asexual or anything like that. So not only is this a gross premise, the premise is also so old that I just can't get behind it. And also that, but Jennifer Lawrence is just still so fucking wooden of an actress. She never really acts, just kind of plays various versions of herself, and I just don't like it. So this movie has so much going against it, it doesn't even look that funny. I, I didn't even smile once during the trailer. And it wasn't just because I was so full of the ick from the premise, it was just bad. And it makes me sad because I like Natalie Morales and Matthew Broderick. Do you remember Santa Clarita Diet? Do you remember Natalie Morales and the cult she formed around her? No, no, no. She wasn't the cult lady, was she? She was the cop, right? Oh, I can't remember after we watch that show now. Or no, she was the cop and then she formed the cult, right? Okay, if someone remembers Santa Clarita Diet better than me, tell me. But No Hard Feelings looks terrible. It does not look good in any way. But remember, my friends, this is my show with my opinions. If you think it looks funny, f***ing see it. Do your thing. If you can find joy, if you can find fun in something that I don't like, please do. Please do. But just for me, and if you're on the fence at the, about this at all, I just say no. No Hard Feelings just has one too many bad things about it. So I have to give it a 3.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, two movies left. I think we all know what the pick of the week is. So let's just get on with the one that isn't and say the next movie, we say goodbye to Carrie Fisher in Wonderwell. This is the final limited release of the week. A coming of age fairy tale set between modern day Italy and an imaginary realm just beyond Wonderwell follows Violet, a naive and inquisitive 12-year-old girl on a thrilling journey that transforms her world forever. This stars Carrie Fisher from Blues Brothers. I didn't do Star Wars there, right? Rita Ora from Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And introducing Kira Millward as Violet. Quick note, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is a bad title. Detective Pikachu would have been great because you don't need Pokemon in front of it because who the f*** else is Pikachu? It's not like you'll say Detective Pikachu and someone will go, oh, is, is that that video game character or is it that guy from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? No, no one's going to f***ing say that. And you're talking about Howie Mandel or Noel What's-His-Name if you're in the UK. Okay, but about Wonderwell, I actually think this looks good. Even if Carrie Fisher were still alive, I think this looks good because we have a fairy tale story. We have a a light fantasy, because this does take place in the real world a little bit, and a fantasy world. We have a light fantasy starring the beloved Princess Leia as this witch who lives in this other world. And one day this little girl steps through and she finds her and goes, oh, hey, um, you probably shouldn't be here, but here, let me teach you about magic and shit while we're here. Oh, the person caring for you um, is another witch. Uh, we're not really seeing eye to eye. See, I'm in, I, my domain is a forest, her domain is a city, so yeah, there's that. But it doesn't look bad. The thing with non-major releases, movies that don't get a huge budget, that doesn't get millions and millions of dollars, 
is that sometimes the CG, the effects look bad. And even though when we were a kid, the effects weren't great. I mean, they were practical a lot of the times, but even as a kid, it isn't as it wasn't as big of a deal then as it is now. Nowadays, if we have subpar uh, special effects, that could take us out of the story because we're so used to so much more. That's why so many people are having troubles with the CG in The Flash, even though Andy Muschietti says he did it on purpose to show the difference in the world because we're seeing this through Flash's eyes, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever, dude. You, you made a choice and made it look like that, but it looks bad. But even though this isn't a big budget blockbuster, it still looks good. It still looks, it looks magical. And Carrie Fisher does a good job in this trailer. It looks like she is the most believable good witch I've seen in a long time. Mind you, I don't see a lot of movies with good or bad witches in it, but take that as you will. So not only is this a send-off to a beloved actress, not only is this a send-off to our dear Princess Leia, but it also looks good. But this would be a great movie for your family someday later. And it can be something that can be enjoyed by everyone. I just like uh, that other movie I talked about, which I totally remember. I'm not scrolling up to look at it. World's Best. I remembered that. Just like World's Best. This looks like everyone can enjoy it. It may be more geared towards the younger audience, but it doesn't look like it's going to do anything to really make an adult go, eh, nah, I won't see that. It looks beautiful. It looks well acted. And it's an interesting story. We have heard stories like this before, but... As I've said so many times this episode, so many times in episodes before, it doesn't matter if something's familiar as long as they do something interesting with it. And my friends wonder, well, does something interesting. If you can see this in the theaters near you somewhere, sure, check it out. Why not? But most of us are going to have to wait for it to come to some sort of streaming service or maybe even just buy it when it's out to own. My friends, wonder, well, looks good. It looks like it's worth your time. And it's something for you to watch either alone or if you have a family with them. Carrie Fisher delivers. Rita Ora delivers. And best of all, Kira Millward isn't a cringy child actor. She looks like she does a good job as well. Wonderwell gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my friends, the pick of the week. You know it. I know it. It's called Asteroid City. This is a nationwide release. The itinerary of a junior stargazer convention is spectacularly disrupted by a world-changing event. This stars, in poster order, Jason Schwartzman from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Scarlett Johansson from Lost in Translation, Tom Hanks from Big, Jeffrey Wright from The Batman, Tilda Swinton from Snowpiercer, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, Edward Norton from Fight Club, Adrian Brody from The Pianist, Lee Schreiber from Scream 2, Hope Davis from About Schmidt, Stephen Park from Fargo, Rupert Friend from Homeland, Maya Hawk from Stranger Things, Steve Carell from Foxcatcher, Matt Dillon from Wild Things, Hong Chow from The Menu, Willem Dafoe from The Lighthouse, Margot Robbie from The Wolf of Wall Street, Tony Revolori from Dope, Jake Ryan from Eighth Grade, and Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. So let's be honest. You kind of already know, right, what you're going to do with this movie. You already know if you're going to make it point to see it in theaters or if you're going to wait or if you just don't like Wes Anderson and you don't want to watch this. But isn't that kind of a blessing with directors like Wes Anderson where you can just kind of see another movie's coming out and know what you're going to do? It's like the somewhat nerdy crew in Michael Bay. He puts out a new movie. We probably skip it. 
But what I think Wes Anderson's true power is, is that his movies are very unique. And not just in their style, and not just in the stellar casts he puts together. It's unique in the fact that what other movie is like that? And what I did notice about the trailer that I did really like is that you may notice that a lot of Wes Anderson's films look old without actually being old, if that makes sense. They have this old-timey vibe to them while always being modern to the time it comes out in. But more so, I feel that with Asteroid City, because a lot of the set feels like an old-timey set where it's just like painted wood, and if you press on it, it's going to fall down. It looks very minimalist, but purposefully so. And I think that is a really interesting part of his style, especially in this film. Grand Budapest Hotel took place in a big hotel, but it still didn't feel like a whole lot was going on set-wise, you know? Life Aquatic, same thing. All of his movies have that same feeling for it, and I especially feel it with this one. And this one kind of looks like Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson carry more of it, and I don't mind that. This looks like another movie that Scarlett Johansson is doing where she can remind us that, yes, indeed, she can act. It's just that her character in the Marvel movies were written terribly until the very end. Asteroid City does look good, but once again, you need to know, you need to ask yourself, how much of a Wes Anderson fan are you? Because there is a couple good-looking movies coming out on streaming. We have World's Best, we have The Perfect Find, we have things that are coming out that you can stay at home and watch that look interesting, because even though not a lot of, or it usually takes a while, that is, for a Wes Anderson film to come to streaming... I don't think you're going to really miss out if you don't see it right away. Asteroid City looks like a quality film, but not the kind that you might get some huge spoiler for and you're like, ah, oh, now it really ruins the movie for me. Just think of any big moments in any other Wes Anderson films, and if you knew that going into it, would it have affected the movie for you? No, probably not. Asteroid City looks like the best movie coming out this week, but again, if you want to stay home this week, catch up on your backlist, watch something on streaming, that could be fine. Asteroid City gets a 9 out of 11. My future friends, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. So I'm going to send you along your way to listen to the other great shows you may listen to. But don't forget to like and subscribe or share and subscribe. I'm not on YouTube yet. To share and subscribe. Follow the show wherever you can. Rate me wherever you can, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you need to know how to rate a podcast on Spotify, look for the star or the rating in the upper left of my page there and just tap that. Give me five stars. I'd appreciate that. Give the friends of the show all the love because I appreciate them so much. And my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.